Which U.S. military installation might be the next to be heavily damaged by floods? After a year of damage from extreme weather, the Defense Department has released a long-awaited report on military bases most threatened by that weather, climate change. Joining me with more on this and other DOD matters, Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni joins me now. And Scott, let's talk about this damage by flood. Give us a recap of what's happened to DOD over the past year. Right. Yeah, it's been a really tough year. If you remember, uh, there was Hurricane Florence, there was Hurricane Michael. Both of those really affected uh, Tyndall, Air Force Base Tyndall in Florida, and that uh, caused about $3 billion of damage. Hurricane Florence affected the Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune, and then we also had recurrent flooding over in Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska. Altogether, that's coming out to about 8 or $9 billion total to repair these buildings, to repair the flooding, to mitigate further uh, issues. So this is something DOD has really been looking into, not only from a base perspective, but also from a worldview perspective, because the Arctic ice is starting to thaw. Russia is spending, sending cutters and more, um, more uh, ships up north. So uh, this is really changing the way that DOD not only is taking care of their bases and installations, but also thinking about the world as a whole. Who knows, Russia might be melting it in the first place. But for that matter, the Homestead Air Force Base in Florida, I don't think, has ever fully recovered from some pretty severe damage from a hurricane 20 years ago. Right. And and I mean, you know, a lot of these bases, well, the installations themselves have been uh, basically put on the back burner because of readiness issues for the past uh, few years or so. DOD has been working with certain budgets that they uh, have to uh, make certain changes to or they have to make sacrifices for because they're worried that there's going to be um, you know issues with readiness and so they're letting buildings go ahead and, and fall apart and uh, at this point about one in five DOD facilities are in poor or failing condition. Yeah so what the weather doesn't finish off then neglect does the rest it sounds like. Exactly. The list is out what bases are they saying are the most in trouble? All right well some of the really important ones uh, Fort Hood Right now is the number one army base, and they're saying that that's uh, reoccurring flooding is one of the issues for that. Also, drought. Uh, When it comes to the Air Force, there's Hill Air Force Base in Utah, and that's actually the most worrisome base at this point. Potentially has recurrent flooding, drought, desertification, and wildfire. When it comes to the Navy, this is probably no surprise to anyone. The Naval Air Station at Key West is a, a big one. Recurrent flooding and rising sea levels are going to be a big issue there, as well as wildfires and then other ones like Pearl Harbor and uh, another army base that's very local here. And also from my hometown of Frederick, Maryland, is Fort Detrick, which uh, has a lot of the biomedical and biochemical sort of um, uh, issues and uh, um, research there. Interesting. In Utah, they're worried about both flooding and fires and drought. That's three things. Right. Yeah, well, you know, in those desert areas, you can get a, a quick flash flood and it can take care of a lot. Uh, you don't really think of Nebraska as a big flooding area either. But, uh, you know, off at Air Force Base where they have nuclear infrastructure is uh, really was, had just had a, a big hit in this past month. Now, Scott, this report has been contentious for some reason. Is it only because it's taken so long for the military to push it out? Or are there other matters that concern Congress? There's other matters. So the Defense Department originally put out a, a report about climate change um, in a, around the January time frame. That one gave Congress critical bases that were vulnerable, so mission-critical bases. And that one also had some pretty surprising aspects to it. It said about 53 of 79 critical bases were vulnerable to recurrent flooding. 
basically more than half of all the crit 79 critical bases were susceptible to some sort of issue, if not all of them, including wildfires and droughts. But, uh, you know, Representative Jim Langevin, who was the person that put the amendment within this, uh, the, the NDAA, said that, uh, you know, this is what I asked for. I asked for the, the top 10. I asked for overseas bases. Uh, there were a lot of the uh, parts that they didn't add in there. DOD tried to come back and say, well, we presented these installations that we knew were important, and we felt that this sort of uh, spoke to what the language better. But uh, Congress and Jim Langevin came back and they said, well, we want what we specifically asked for. And Langevin still isn't exactly happy with what uh, DOD has given. They said, like he said uh, to me, like a student rushing to finish a term paper, the Defense Department made a desperate attempt to address concerns that I raised about the climate report. He still says they're not going to get an A for effort, and he wants exactly what's been in there, inclu including overseas bases, which they still have not addressed. Also, Marine Corps bases have not been fully addressed in this report. So they've got lots more work to do to satisfy Jim Langevin of Rhode Island and I guess the Democrats on the Armed Services Committee generally. That's right. And they are in the majority now. And Adam Smith has been behind him the whole way. So uh, I would expect some uh, angry letters toward the Defense Department in the near future. And what do they expect to do with the list once it is complete to the Democrat side satisfaction? It sounds like the implication is, OK, well, this is the danger. Where's the money to mitigate it? Right. And I don't think that they've made that exactly clear yet. I think that there's multiple fronts. One is just explaining that climate change is an issue for the Defense Department at this point. A second would be that we need to it's a, just showing that they need to spend more money on uh, mitigation and also making sure that these things don't happen again. So putting up flood walls, levees, uh, other sorts of things, and investing that money within military construction. So we'll have to see what they do within the NDAA and the appropriations bills uh, in the next uh, couple of years. One thing that the Air Force is looking for right now is uh, about $5 billion in um, funds to help with Tendall and Offutt Air Force Base. And recently, the Marines just got $400 million dollars uh, and reprogramming within 2019 to help with Camp Lejeune. Now, that's just a very small piece of what they need. They need about $3.6 billion to completely repair the more than 100 buildings that were damaged uh, during that hurricane at Camp Lejeune. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. And let's switch gears here for a moment, because on the Republican side of the House Armed Services Committee, the ranking member, former Chairman Mac Thornberry, he's also mad at the Pentagon about some acquisition issues or what's what's his beef that's right well you know the, the defense department can never really get a break from congress they have a, a very large board of directors in that sense so uh what what uh mac thornberry is pretty upset about if you remember in the past couple of years when he was the chairman of the armed services committee he was in charge of acquisition reform he did a lot of changes to sort of speed up the acquisition process for uh, small companies, for mid-sized companies, and for more innovative companies, also to bring in more uh, non-traditional companies within the Defense Department. At this point, he feels like the Defense Department is not uh, implementing these fast enough. They're not doing enough with the uh, authorities that they've been given. And he's upset about it because he's seeing Russia and China uh, continuing to innovate, continuing to do the things that they are doing that that prompted these uh, uh, new authorities in the first place. And he's, he's upset that the Defense Department is not following through with the things that he was hoping that they would and with that congressional intent in previous NDAAs. 
Well, it could be that they're suffering from reform overload. I mean, they had the Section 809 panel that concluded its work this year, and there were a bunch of provisions in 17 and 18. And as we've seen, it sometimes takes them a couple of years to get around to implementing provisions that have been in an NDAA till they actually get it expressed in regulations and then have their contracting people actually do something about it. That's right. Well, I mean, the service secretaries, they testified before Congress last year, and they basically said, um, thank you for everything that you've given us. But let's slow down for a second, because we need to finally catch up with everything. And and catching up is not only just applying these authorities, but it's also changing the culture within the acquisition workforce. These acquisition officials are now learning how to use other transaction authorities, mid-tier acquisition. There's something that either is brand new or hasn't been brought up since the 1950s and uh, or 1990s in very small aspects. So uh, changing that culture to move in a faster way to uh, to take on risk in different ways is something that they have to learn themselves. And they're going through Defense Acquisition University courses to do that and also uh, getting funds and uh, pushes from, you know, upper levels and headquarter levels within the, the services as well. So it's kind of like they say, moving an aircraft carrier, you can turn the wheel, but it takes a little bit longer before the, the ship actually starts to turn. And I guess some consistency in leadership would help too, which DOD has not had lately. That's right. Uh, there's a, still an acting uh, Secretary of Defense and acting personnel and readiness. Uh, there's many uh, of the parts of Defense Department that still aren't uh, filled and uh, don't have nominees at this point either. Uh, and, and just wanted to add one quick thing about Mac Thornberry here. He said that if the Defense Department does not start implementing these, what they did in the past, well, he's thinking about some carrots and some sticks in order to get these uh, issues more to the forefront and get to the Defense Department to get moving a little bit more. So one of those sticks that they could use is fencing funding, which is that the Defense Department won't be able to use certain funds unless they either give a report or meet certain milestones that are acceptable to Congress. Uh, and that in that case, those funds would become available again. And in all of these hearings, and this is budget preparation season, at least in theory, has the actual requirements in terms of the budget come up at any of the hearings? Oh, yes. Well, so they've come up a lot. So the Congress is going back between a $733 billion budget and a $750 billion budget. At this point, they're just waiting to kind of figure things out, and they're going to be duking it out over the next couple of months. Federal News Network Scott Mossioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out his stories at federalnewsnetwork.com.